Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about how your refractory period, aka the time after sex where you can't have sex again right away, is um, really helpful in helping you understand how your wife feels. And if you can't understand why, then listen and learn. So before that, please do subscribe. I have close to 100 subscriber episodes, maybe up to 100 now. Um, And in season three, which is going to start soon, because I have 200 episodes in each season, I'm coming to the end of season two, an episode in season three, rather, more of my content is going to be paid. So subscribe now. I have some good ones coming out. And my most recent one was why if you're arrogant or condescending, often the only way your wife can subconsciously assert herself is to stop having any attraction to you. So if that sounds like your life, you'll want to hear that episode. Okay, so I had an interaction with a Facebook follower who said something. We were talking about my eight myths about female orgasms piece. And he said something like, well, it wouldn't work for me to follow your suggestion of sometimes switching it up and giving the woman her orgasm second. That wouldn't work for me because after um, I have an orgasm, it feels very mechanical to me. So going down on her or giving her an orgasm at that point, I'm tired and uh, it feels very mechanical, biologically. And so I said, well, that's how women feel. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's exactly how the majority of women describe feeling. They have no desire biologically, uh, just like his goes away after the moment that he comes, his desire goes away. And um, that's how they feel the whole time. So what I was saying, and this doesn't have to be something you try, but for people who don't understand, you know, various ways to modify the sexual routine in order to ameliorate some of their current problems, one of them was that many women feel like he's just giving you an orgasm so that he can get off and, um, you know, so that it's even Steven. And then they have a lot of pressure to have the orgasm because the point of the encounter um, in their mind is very routinized. They have their orgasm and that makes him excited enough to have his orgasm, then they're done. And so all this pressure to have the orgasm leads to many women faking or many women just not enjoying themselves at all. And so whereas if the guy actually comes first, then remember, she's a person too. So she can be excited by you getting off the same as you get excited by her getting off. And so then many women will have an orgasm pretty easily and even quickly. And it also begs the question what... um, You know, like what people like this guy do if the woman doesn't have an orgasm during the encounter. It seems that they just go to sleep anyway. I mean, like if he does his best, but she doesn't, does he not try again later? It seems like no, which is, of course, a very big no-no. If she doesn't come, then you have to try again later, irrespective of whether you feel it's tired and mechanical. You, it would be um, nice to try again later. Same as she probably felt it was mechanical from the beginning and tried. So it would be the same uh, advice as I tell her for the sake of a loving marriage. Try to get in the mood. You know, try to be a pal here and, you know, s- sacrifice a little bit and, and for this common good. 
And the same thing for the guy. So it's really a good analogy because that moment after orgasm, and for men this increases, this time needed to get hard again increases a lot, especially in a monogamous relationship. With, with If you were 45 years old and you had a new 20-year-old partner, well, for the first um, you know few weeks at least, you would have barely any refractory period. That's shown in monkey studies even, you know, but, um, and for men and for women. You know, that they're just a hell of a lot more drive for a new partner. But with the, as a 45-year-old guy within the same marriage, yeah, you do have a refractory period and frequently go right to sleep afterwards. And many guys have been like this all along, even in their 20s, that they never came again, that they never tried again afterwards. They just thought that it was, it was over, and that's when they go to sleep. So either way, no matter what level of refractory period you've had, if you are a man with a refractory period, which you have to be if you're a man, no matter the length, then you can definitely deeply understand how your wife feels. So if it's super mechanical and like awkward feeling to you ever, and something you just really don't want to do to continue having a sexual encounter after you get off, you can totally then understand so well how your wife feels often from the beginning of the encounter. It's like such an easy analogy. And so if you are a guy who has a sex drive that's high enough that invariably, you know, you you do always want to give her an orgasm afterwards, you're still interested afterwards, and you will always make sure that she gets off either before or after you, good. But it's not too um, far a bridge, I hope, for you to understand that there is certainly some decrement in your excitement and uh, readiness and willingness to serve there, um, you know, after you come versus before. So that's how you can better understand your wife because you too have biological and hormonal constraints. You know, because the, the guy's like, oh, your body releases this and that and then you just want to go to sleep. Yeah, sure. The same happens with the woman over the course of the, the month. Her body releases this and that. And she, you know, whether it's the progesterone, the estrogen, like whatever. She has no testosterone by this point, probably. And, um, or very little. Some women go in and get a test. They have zero testosterone. And let me clear up, by the way, because a lot of guys are like, oh, my wife doesn't want to get hormones. That's her fault. You know, I mean, she should just really just go get hormones. Like, it's so easy. Like, you go to the store, you just get hormones, and there's, like, no downside. For some women that are not highly sensitive people, there's no downside, and it's all upside, or mostly upside to taking what they mean by hormone replacement therapy is a cocktail of progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone, and either any of those, right, that is designed to help you feel, you know, more sexual drive and desire, basically making your body uh, have the same levels that it's you know, that it used to have. But this is A, not an exact science, and B, there is no, um, there's no free lunch. So a lot of women, particularly those who are highly sensitive, which is, you know, a lot of women that come into therapy, it's 20% of women, but it's more than that of women who come into therapy, you get a lot of um, side effects. So there's headache, there's bloating, there's acne, there's irritability, there could be mood issues, because for many women, they just feel like premenstrual all the time then, and or very tired. So it's really not worth it for them to have the increase in drive due to this. It, I'm, I'm going to be talking about this in a different episode, but 
for a lot of women, menopause and perimenopause with the um, decrease in the hormones is a relief. They've been beholden to their hormones their whole lives. PMS has been a disaster. Half of the half of the month is shot. After ovulation, it's just a straight shot down in your mood and how you feel. And you're glad to be off of that roller coaster. You don't want to do it again when your body is naturally telling you the hormones have left the building. You don't want to do that again. You know, it, it's um, all the bad things. It would be like um, if your wife told you she wanted you to take a pill where you had the same testosterone as you did when you were like 16 years old, but when you were 16, you got kicked out of school for fighting, you had debilitating acne, and you felt like enraged all the time. You wouldn't want to do that. If there were downsides, you wouldn't want to do it, depending on how bad the downsides are. So while hormone replacement therapy is something that people can try, it is certainly not a panacea that works for all. So, you know, you you can't go into it with that kind of, you can't really go into any sort of medication uh, experiment with the idea that this is what's going to work. Because if it doesn't, then you get very upset. So you got to go in like, I'm going to try this and I'm going to see. You know, I mean, no harm, no foul, I'll try. Certainly women should try the hormones unless their doctors have told them not to. And remember, there are many women with cancer histories where their doctors advise them not to. So this is something I hear all the time. You know, if they have different um, cancers, then it's not advisable. And more and more research comes out all the time. So, you know, many women, and it's it's not stupid, decide to say, you know what, my body is done. So I'm done. And within that, though, they could still say, all right, but I still understand that sex can be a part of our lives. And I'm going to try to do that as a loving partner. But I'm not going to mess with my body because my body is telling me naturally where I am in in the stage of life. So, I mean, this is, you know, should be its own episode. But that's just what I feel about that. But and, and what I see around me. And unfortunately, on the internet, I see a lot of guys say, oh, hormone replacement therapy, hormone replacement therapy. And then guys are like thinking that that would like magically make your wife back to 30 years old. It doesn't. There's nothing like that. You know, like there's just nothing that regains youth. <laughs> that's that's uh, we're now in the realm of philosophy. But anyway, So if you have a refractory period, then you can understand what it feels like. Another analogy is if you have the flu, you probably don't want to have sex. Maybe you're young enough that you still do, but at some point you'll get to where you wouldn't. Or, I mean, any number of things. Uh, One that I frequently say is if a guy's heterosexual, you have a really high sex drive. Do you want to have sex with a guy, though? No, you don't. Well, like, that's how your wife feels, you know? I mean, like, for, like, she just does not. If she even finds somebody attractive, you can find a man attractive. You just don't want to have sex with him. Well, then that's how she feels about you. You're attractive, but she doesn't want to have sex with you. She feels absolutely no desire to have sex with you at all, despite that you're attractive, because she doesn't feel that drive the same as you wouldn't feel it, let's say, toward a guy. You know, unless you're bisexual. But anyway, so this is super important to realize is that there are, this is a larger thing, but there are always ways to empathize with your spouse's perspective on something by understanding and 
diving deeper into the way that you really feel the same. Some people are the type of arguers that they don't want to cede any ground. And that just makes their marriages really terrible and their wives pull away. So, you know, of course you could argue with this. You could say, well, if it was very important for my wife, then I would get testosterone implanted directly into my penile shaft and I would be good to go. I would not have any refractory period at all. And that's the level of commitment that I expect in this marriage. Yeah, you could be that guy, but like, that's terrible to be that guy. (laughs) That's like a zero empathy, really kind of blustery, foolish way to think about things. You know, there's always a way that you could empathize, you know, there's always something you've experienced that could allow you to understand your spouse's perspective better. And if you don't think there is, you just haven't looked hard enough. And if you really do not think there is any possible way for you to understand your spouse, you are prime candidate for therapy and not the kind of therapy where you go in and just talk and talk and talk and talk and vent and vent and steamroll the therapist, but the type where you get challenged on some of your unempathic belief systems. Because there are so many blind spots that people have, Just this is just cognitive psych stuff. I mean, people cannot understand their own blind spots. Their biases are their own perspective. So if you if you have ever been accused of not understanding your wife's perspective about sex or drive or anything, then you are a prime candidate for therapy. And many women are like astonished by the progress that their husbands can make when they're working with somebody who challenges them. And they come back and they say, man, I was wrong. I really never thought about it. I thought that you were just like messing with me. But now I think, hmm, what if I was in your position? What if I had zero drive and I was always being told that I had to have it and that it was important when I didn't feel it was important? Like how I feel about blah, 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 whatever. Like I'm sure she wants to do a lot of shit for the family that you don't think is that important or she wants everything clean and you don't think that's important or whatever. She doesn't think this is important. You know, so for her to go outside her comfort zone and try, you have to be extra empathic. And many men fall down on the job there because they're just thinking about it for themselves, just so black and white, like the simplest sort of thing. I like sex. Why doesn't she like sex? Without thinking, oh, let me think about that. What would it be like? What would it really be like to feel zero desire? Like being forced to eat when I'm not hungry, being forced to fuck right after I come, right? I mean, these people don't like these kind of things. Getting a feeding tube that puts food down your throat right after Thanksgiving dinner. That's how she feels. You're like, Thanksgiving dinner? Do you mean the sex we had three weeks ago? Yeah, everybody's different. And for a lot of women, sex three weeks or three days ago, she's full. She's still full. And, um, you know, basically until the next time she ovulates, she's full. So you're asking her to go against a biological thing. And I'm not saying that she shouldn't try to get herself into the mood and to understand responsive desire and all this stuff, but there has to be empathy on your end. And frequently the empathy can come from saying, wow, there are times when I feel like that. Maybe it's the refractory period when I feel like that about sex itself. Maybe I have to go further afield for a different analogy, such as hunger or sickness. You know, but there's always going to be something where your body doesn't do what you want it to do. And, um, you know, it's kind of like... Young guys, they they don't understand this. So if I say it would be like your wife just saying, you have to run faster. You have to get down to a five-minute mile, and then I'll be happy. And young guys will be like, well, then I would, goddammit. I would quit my job, and I would be a marathon runner, and I would, you know, become a sprinter, and I would do all these things. That's what I would do. But then hopefully, 
by the time you are listening to this podcast, maybe you are a young guy. I had a young guy leave me a voicemail that said I should do more stuff for young guys. But the best thing I could do for young guys in terms of podcasts is tell you what life is going to be like when you are older if you don't work on these things now. The information that I'm giving to men in their 30s, 40s, 50s is invaluable for younger guys. They just don't often listen. So if you stumbled upon this, then the best thing you could do is not to get anything targeted for younger guys, but to hear the problems that older guys have that could be ameliorated by understanding some of these issues in advance, which so many guys say to me, I wish I would have had these podcasts when I was younger. So if you happen to stumble upon this when you're younger, great, you're ahead of the game then. You can see, oh, I have to work on empathy. Oh, women's sex drive decreases over time. Oh, get a woman who likes physical touch if I do. Oh, compatibility in XYZ domains is important. Oh, you know, whatever. So anyway, if if this podcast resonated with you, you could go to your wife and say, huh, I thought of a way to think about it. I thought of a way to think about it, especially if you're the kind of guy where if you think about it now, there's been times she hasn't had an orgasm and then you've assumed that the encounter was just somehow over because you had an orgasm. Well, that's not nice, A, that's not very fair. If she was with you for that whole thing, you know, then and she could come after you, then yeah, of course, the same as I tell women, try to get outside your comfort zone and do it. Definitely try to get outside your comfort zone and do it because any woman who uh, is left high and dry isn't going to want to have sex anymore, obviously. It's like going out to a date night you don't want to go on, uh, but as soon as you see the food, you're whisked away and uh, you know, you're not even allowed to eat. So are you going to go on date night again? No. So that's how women feel if they don't have an orgasm in the encounter. And even if she does have an orgasm in the encounter and you have your orgasm and then you're like, oh yeah, there's just no way that she could go again. There probably is. There may be a way she could go again, some women, but you've just not really thought about it because you're all done and you don't care anymore. And that's how she always feels. She always feels that way. So you could really help you understand. All right. I hope this was useful and I will talk to y'all soon. Please do subscribe. And if you like talking about things like this, separate is joining the Facebook group. That is not a, that doesn't give you the podcast, but it does give you a group of about 160 people who are uh, all talking about these kind of issues. All right. Bye-bye guys.